Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, the AI revolution continues. And um, it's not at all clear whether humanity is winning or losing in that particular struggle. Here's the latest. The makers of an hour-long AI-generated comedy special that simulates the late great American comedian and actor George Carlin. The makers of that have been criticized for, apparently, not obtaining explicit permission from his family to impersonate his voice and style for the video. The show entitled George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead, was uploaded this week to YouTube by actor and comedian Will Sasso and producer Charles Kultgen. It appears the duo have crafted an AI personality called Dudesy. I said Dudesy. that attempts to impersonate celebrities, in this instance, George Carlin. The underlying fake persona doesn't just try to sound like Carlin, while acknowledging repeatedly it's not him, and it uses a script that he didn't write either. Carlin's daughter, Kelling, Kelly, wasn't particularly amused to learn the pair had trained some generative neural network on her father's work. This week she claimed zero permission was granted to the creators for the episode, and slammed the AI-based routine. She said her dad had spent a lifetime perfecting his craft, no kidding, and no machine or someone hiding behind a machine could ever replace his genius. Quote, these AI-generated products are clever attempts of trying to recreate a mind that will never exist again. Let's let the artist's work speak for himself. Humans are so afraid of the void, we can't let what has fallen into it Stay there, unquote, George Carlin's daughter. When asked on Twitter what's the problem with an AI impressionist riffing off her dad, Carlin replied, quote, I'm worried about his legacy, his reputation, his art. I'm allowed to do that as his daughter and while I'm alive, unquote. Sasso and Kulchin were asked for their side of the story. Yes, there was no answer. Widely accessible generative AI tools and a wealth of content that can be easily scraped from the internet has, it, has made it easy to train computers to replicate someone's work. Performers in the entertainment industry have grown increasingly concerned that our faces or voices can be cloned using AI without compensation and that our digital and that the digital replica will be used in TV, films, commercials, and replace us in our jobs. <laughs> SAG after the union representing actors and media professionals has successfully negotiated with studios, forcing them to obtain explicit consent for generating digital replicas of actors' faces, bodies, and voices using AI. Must compensate us, them, accordingly, when they're used. 
At the Consumer Electronics Show this week in Vegas, the union announced that it entered into a deal with an AI startup, Replica Studios, to license members' voices to be used in video games and other media. Quote, Recent developments in AI technology have underscored the importance of protecting the rights of voice talent, particularly as game studios explore more efficient ways to create their games, said the union's chief negotiator. Some union members, however, are unhappy about the deal that was reportedly negotiated without their knowledge and approval. The what? Who did Tennessee has signed into law its ensuring likeness voice and image security? Yes, it spells out Elvis. The Elvis Act, which is said to provide protections for songwriters, performers, and other professionals from the misuse of their voices with AI. But so far, no news about whether. George Carlin's daughter has succeeded in preventing the release of the video attempting to replicate his voice. The name of the uh, video again, George Carlin, I'm glad I'm dead. All right, then. This is actually me saying hello. Welcome to the show.
nightshade blooms beside the rocky road to daylight's end, and the spirits re-inhabit their castaway bodies of yore. Don't say I didn't warn you. From Santa Monica, California, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you. Sit down, stay a while to this edition of the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, even more news of this smart world. It's been years since the city of Chicago has had a prolonged period of cold weather like they're having right now. Some residents are learning the hard way that electric vehicles have difficulty coping with the frigid conditions, too. Owners have been dealing with the issues around reduced battery life and range since temperatures began to plunge last Saturday. Quote, I think EV owners are discovering for the first time, and it's what gas car owners knew decades ago, that when it gets really cold, you don't want to get too low in your power supply. That said, Carfax.com editor-in-chief Patrick Olson. Studies illustrate just how much that power level is reduced. In, your, in Norway, where half the new cars purchased are electric, the Norwegian Automobile Federation... The NAF found that EVs lose approximately 20% of their driving range in the cold. The AAA here found that percentage could be more than double if the car's heating system was also on full blast. While some cars fared better than others in tests, including the Tesla Model S, which lost only about 4% of its range when the temperature dropped below freezing, others struggled. Recurrent, a research firm, found the Chevy Bolt lost approximately one-third of its range when the mercury dipped below freezing. 
and I like that car. The BMW E3 also lost range, as did the Hyundai Kona in tests. Lost range, but didn't lose fridge, apparently. That range loss is why Olsen says having an in-home charger is so critical. And if you're away from home, to know where the express chargers are. And uh, the guy I'm quoting there is still the editor-in-chief of Carfax. But he's not the fox. The uh, startling extent to which websites and brokers hand over details of people's habits to Facebook was revealed Wednesday, according to the British Deck Journal, The Register. A study by Consumer Reports and nonprofit The Markup concluded that for the average home, sorry, for the average loan Facebook user, 2,230 companies and in some cases more than 7,000, will hand over that person's information to Facebook. Registers told 709 volunteers took part in the study over three years, during which time 186,000 organizations passed data about them to Facebook, the meta-run empire. Specifically, the study looked at servitor surfer sorry, server-to-server contact between Meta and data brokers and retailers. Online shops, data brokers, and the like can take a note of your digital activity, like whether you just bought a monitor, spent an hour at the mall, or read an article, and pass that information to Meta, Meta, which can mine it for its own purposes. In return, the broker or retailer can target not only you on Facebook with advertisements specific to your needs, but also people similar to you. These businesses all know what you're interested in and what you ordered, and folks with kindred interests and demographics may be tempted by advertisements for the same sort of stuff. So the thinking goes. This type of tracking, which occurs entirely outside of the user's view is just so far outside of what people expect when they use the internet, says Cal Triona Fitzgerald, the deputy director of the Electronic Privacy Information Center. Cal Triona. What were her parents smoking? Quote Cal Triona, they don't expect Meta to know what stores they walk into or what news articles they're reading or every site they visit online. Unquote. There's a San Francisco-based data broker called LiveRamp, which passed information regarding 96% of the study's participants to Meta. And it turns out Consumer Reports itself has a relationship with LiveRamp, and another broker called Axiom, with a C before the X, which it did confess to. Quote, Consumer Reports shares data with each of these companies in order to help support its mission, unquote. The majority of the top info passers were brokers, outfits that buy and sell people's data on an industrial scale. But individual retailers, your Home Depot, currently being sued in Canada over data sharing, and Amazon showed up on the top 10 list. Meta's own tracking practices have put it in a legal bind in Europe, 
And in 2022, the social network was criticized for taking American students' financial aid figures and using them to target advertisements. There's also a pending U.S. class action suit against the Megacorp over its collection of hospital data. Thanks, Facebook. By working with data brokers, Meta gets a whole new level of information that helps it target people with ads target tailored to their everyday lives. Let's say, for example, you've looked up car insurance quotes recently. A data broker, broker can pass that information to Meta. And you can expect your Facebook ads to be well-stocked with stuff from insurance companies. When data is shared about you to Meta to specifically target you with ads, it appears as though that information may include personally identifiable details, like your email address, to enable that targeting. And if any of the shared info is anonymized, given the nature of the info, it may be possible to de-anonymize the data anyway. So much for your de so much for your anonymization. Sometimes the data point might be a device ID that doesn't directly identify the individual person, says Matt Schwartz, a policy analyst at Consumer Reports. In practice, a lot of this stuff is being tied to individuals who can be matched to other data points, like their location, he says. Facebook does have a download your information tool that lets users have some insight into which organizations handed their data over to Meta, though the study found that information limited in scope. In many cases, the names of companies supplying the data were obfuscated, only 34% of them offering a clear link to their corporate website. Quote, we offer a number of transparency tools to help people understand the information that businesses choose to share with us and manage how it's used, said Meta spokesperson Emil Vasquez. As we cover in our terms, he continues, businesses are responsible for getting permission to share people's information with companies like ours. Unquote. Babe, there are no companies like yours. The study recommends that the U.S. Federal Trade Commission take action on the issue by setting down solid privacy rules for businesses operating in the surveillance capitalism market, one of my favorite markets, aside from Safeway, ensuring that only information that is needed to process a transaction is stored. The report concluded, quote, strong data minimization mandates in privacy laws are arguably the most important thing lawmakers can do to reinvigorate consumer privacy. They would dramatically reduce the amount of data available for advertisers, data brokers, and others to collect. Unquote. Who would be those others? This host ponders. The authors also called on Facebook to increase the transparency of its site so people can find out who's passing over their information and reduce the amount of data being shared. But would Facebook want that? Would it be in keeping with this smart, smart world? And now, 
News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersol III. Aware of the risk to the country's image, French authorities are scrambling to agree to pay deals with a host of public sector trade unions. The unions are demanding bonuses for working during the Olympics. Ah, the French. In Paris this week, several hundred officers gathered near the police headquarters, chanting, quote, the Olympics will be without us, holding flags and banners, or bags and flanners. Fabian Van Helmdrick, head of the Alliance Union, warned that the protests were, quote, only just beginning, unquote, if authorities didn't meet their demands. Quote, if we don't get the recognition we deserve for our investment, we won't be there, unquote. Several police unions had urged officers to show minimum activity on a so-called Black Thursday of protests. Quote, for an exceptional event, exceptional measures, Alliance. The uh, union wrote in a statement. It explained how unions wanted up to 2,000 euros for their members in compensation for lost holidays and extra work over the summer games. In Strasbourg, around 40 police officers gathered despite pouring rain. That's what I'm talking about, despite pouring rain. Disrupting traffic at the entrance to the Europe Bridge connecting France to Germany. Quote, we only know that everyone has been asked to work, said one of the uh, union leaders. Quote, but we've got kids, some of us also are carers, we don't know how we're going to manage, unquote. At uh, De Gaulle Airport, police went on strike early in the day, forcing passengers to wait an extra hour, according to an airport source. Interior Minister of France met police representatives beginning of the week, has a fund for the games of around 500 million euros. Where'd that money come from? Sources close in negotiations told Agence France Press about that fund. France is banking on its first Olympics in 100 years to showcase the best of the country from the historic monuments of Paris to its role as a global center of food, fashion, and sporting excellence. Organizers are desperate to avoid reinforcing France's reputation for violent street protests and industrial disputes. The Olympics are a double-edged sword for the image of a country, according to communications expert Philippe Chevrolet. A major security problem or disruption can wipe out any benefits of playing host, he explained. The strikes, riots, and recent yellow vests protests created a poor image of France as a destination, he added. Pay negotiations are underway between French authorities and health workers, drivers for Paris metros, trains and buses, as well as municipal employees such as street cleaners. Holidays during the games have been banned for many state employees. Extra weekend and late night work will be demanded for tens of thousands of them. Michel Cadeau, who heads the government's games coordination committee, 
told a Senate hearing, the overall budget for the games remained unknown, in part because the government could not anticipate how much it would need to spend in bonuses for public sector workers. Because it's a movement, and we all need one. Every day! One more note on all of this. The government has decided to suspend some workers' rights during the games. And the uh, leader of the CGT unions, branch representing the private sector, service industry, and retail workers, unless the government reverses that decree, quote, we will launch high-impact operations during the games, unquote. Thank you for your threat, sir. Well, when the trash man scratch your back, do you like it? Does the hip lip make you trip, or do you fight it? Well, do you tend to get the jingles in the jungle? Well, do you find that you're afraid of the maze? When the man with the plan put the money in your hand You hear a little whisper and you say You better back away When the hobo say hello, do you hear him? If the choo-choo talk to you, do you fear him?
This is the show from Santa Monica, home of the homeless. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's turn to our uh, some of our animal friends. Some of them are on the winning team, some of them are not. At this point in time, we can say it's better to be a beaver than a bee. State officials here in California are betting that beavers, Castor canadensis, to you and me, the hardworking, once ubiquitous aquatic rodent, can help reinvigorate the peaks, river valleys, and mountain meadows of the Sierra Nevada. California Department of Fish and Game said uh, late last year it had relocated a family of seven beavers within the wilds of the central Sierra Nevada. The launch of CDFW's Beaver Restoration Program. Why it's named what it is. It's the first time in 75 years that the California Department of Fish and Wildlife has engaged in what it describes as beaver translocation activities. Bet you the beavers don't call it that. Officials moved a breeding pair and their five offspring to Tasman Coyom, a valley in the mountains of Plumas County. Bet you didn't know there was a Plumas County. That area is part of the ancestral lands of the Yamonim Medu tribe, place where beavers once thrived. The director of the agency said his office hopes a boosted beaver population will combat the state's wildfire problem while creating habitat for other native species. You didn't know that beavers ran fire trucks, did you? No. Quote, beavers help retain water on the landscape, which increases stream flows, he says. Years of preparation went into readying the translocated beaver's new home. Conservation work performed by a consortium of state and federal government agencies, tribal councils, ecological trusts, and other groups, created an enticing environment. At least one local beaver was already calling it home when the relocated beavers arrived. They're not always beneficial, of course. Who is? The relocated animals came from Sutter County to the north, where they were damaging habitat of other threatened and endangered species. The uh, agency knows beavers and humans can run afoul of one another, so they've prepared a guide on how to coexist Peaceably, I think that guide is for the humans. Financial assistance is even available if human-beaver relations get really out of hand. Says the uh, head of the California Natural Resource Agency, quote, beaver relocation will help both to restore the environment and preserve traditional culture of our tribal partners who have stewarded these lands since time immemorial. I'm excited to see how beavers will improve the health of landscapes in coming decades and support traditional lifeways for our diverse tribal communities, unquote. The uh, tribe in question, the Meidu, has an organization, the Meidu Summit Consortium. It envisions reacquired ancestral lands as a vast and unique park system dedicated to the purposes of education, healing, protection, and ecosystem management based upon the Meidu cultural and philosophic perspectives as expressed through traditional ecology. I don't think that was the Meidu writing that sentence, but 
What the heck? The Thule River Indian tribe has also been an important player in restoring the beaver population. The next translocation will bring beavers to the Thule River land in Tulare County. Well, that's why it's called Tulare, isn't it? In the southern Sierra Nevada. Beavers have had a rough time living with humans. Today, as many as 15 million beavers, called North America's streams, creeks, and rivers home, the population was between 1 and 200 million before European settlers arrived. And it's not because the beavers are such good at eating. The Eurasian beaver has had it even tougher, an even smaller remnant of the original population remaining. There is an International Beaver Day, April 7th, an opportunity to call attention to efforts to restore beavers to their former glory. Quote, help people learn about these amazing animals. International Beaver Day is a fine time to hike to a beaver pond, arrange a display of books in your library, show a beaver video, or show a beaver a video, and otherwise spread the word about nature's engineer. The wetlands beavers create are home to a diversity of species on par with tropical rainforests. Didn't know that. Beavers just doing what comes naturally restores wetlands far more quickly, efficiently, and cheaply than we can. So yes, looking up for the beavers, not for the bees. The UK government, over the pond, has given emergency approval for the use of a pesticide banned because of the harm it can cause bees. And that's for the fourth year in a row, according to the BBC. Permission to use the neonicotinoid on sugar, beast, sugar beet seeds has been needed despite a vow by the industry to find an alternative to neonicotinoid insecticides by the end of last year. The Wildlife Trust said the decision was a, quote, death blow, unquote, for wildlife. The government said it was a necessary and proportionate measure to tackle a damaging crop virus spread by aphids. It added the product, which has been banned since 2018, can only be used if an independent scientifically verified level of threat posed by the disease, virus yellows, is uh, met in March. That threshold will be a 65% infection rate across the national sugar beet crop. The uh, National Farmers Union in Britain said the virus yellows disease had already caused sugar beet crop losses of up to 80% in recent years and threatened an industry with more than 95,000 jobs. How many jobs do those bees create? Environmental and wildlife campaigners warned the neonicotinoid thiomexothem thiomexothem disrupts bees' ability to navigate and reproduce. That's all. Way back in 2020, British sugar, which sort of dominates the British sugar market, had told the government that the alternatives to the seed treatment that is so bad for the bees would be available in three years. Again, that was in 2020. So that didn't happen. The company's agriculture director of British Sugar 
told the BBC research is continuing, is continuing and included research into how the industry can benefit from gene editing. Yeah, let's get that spread around a lot. The company hopes virus yellows resistant crops will be available commercially by 2026. And again, it's, uh, its predictive abilities are uh, open to question. The farming minister said his decision had been based on robust scientific assessment with the risk evaluated, quote, very carefully, unquote. So in the words of Wall Street, buy beaver, sell bee. And now, a little taste of the crypto winter. Inter now, some of what I'm going to be saying in this next few minutes, you may understand, I certainly don't. Interoperability service Socket and its bridging platform Bungie restarted operations this week after an apparent $3.3 million exploit. That's a, a theft, I believe. Uh, led to a temporary pause in trading activity. The incident occurred as attackers targeted wallets with infinite approvals to socket contracts. Approvals are authorizations for blockchain-based tools that allow applications to access tokens or a specific token in a user's wallet. Socket paused activity as the exploit came to light, preventing the attack from propagating further. Early Wednesday, Socket developers said this issue was fixed and activities were restarted. They added that plans for compensation were in the works. Cross-chain bridges, such as Bungie, allow users to transfer tokens between different blockchains. Yes, there's more than one. But remain one of the most exploited tools in the market. I.e. Scam Central. Earlier in January, the New Year's first crypto exploit became an $81 million hack of Orbit Chain, a cross-chain bridge that connects Ethereum to other networks. Such attacks continue to remain commonplace due to the complexity of cross-chain tools, according to developers. Quote, cross-chain security has multiple levels which consumers should be aware of when choosing a bridge said a co-founder of Chainlink in a message to Coindesk. Like data oracles, there are many bridge variants that don't provide real security and don't describe how they work beyond saying the words decentralized and secure. The quote continues, It would be wise for bridge users to ask themselves what they really know about the security of their chosen bridge and where it ranks on the five levels of the cross-chain security spectrum, unquote. Doesn't that make you want to get into crypto yet? And Vanguard, a uh, investment outfit, is doubling down on its no-crypto stance in investing. It will not only sit out the rush into Bitcoin ETFs, but also yank existing Bitcoin futures products from its brokerage offerings. That's according to Axios. So don't go to Vanguard if you want to get into crypto. And now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. 
an editorial cartoon that appeared on the Lubbock, Texas opinion page, the page of the uh, newspaper in Lubbock, the Avalanche Journal, yeah, real name, should not have been published. It was published on uh, January 14th. The syndicated cartoon, not produced locally, depicted a KKK member wearing a hooded outfit. The depiction of a KKK member, long a symbol of hate toward members of the black community and others, was not appropriate and did not constructively share a message. We deeply regret the error and how this has impacted our community. We are instituting protocols to ensure a similar oversight does not happen again. An Oklahoma lawmaker is facing backlash for proposing a discriminatory bill that describes people of Hispanic descent as, quote, terrorists, unquote. The Republican state representative, J.J. Humphrey, introduced the bill, which seeks to combat problems in the state such as drug and human trafficking and lay out punishments to those who have committed these, quote, acts of terrorism. According to The Guardian, the punishments for such a crime would be forfeiting all assets, including any and all property, vehicles, and money, in addition to, quote, a member of a criminal street gang, unquote, and someone, quote, who's been convicted of a gang-related offense, unquote. The bill defines a terrorist as, quote, any person who is of Hispanic descent living within the state of Oklahoma, unquote. The move was met with fierce criticism. Another state senator said the move by Humphrey was unsurprising. Quote, to have the law treat people differently based on their race or ethnicity only creates greater divides, said state senator Michael Brooks. The bill is fatally flawed, he added. I don't know if there's much of a way to be able to change it. Humphrey apologized, but then doubled down. He said, I apologize for using the word Hispanic. But I was not wrong. Again, these are not Hispanic. Reality is they are Hispanic. There's nothing to be ashamed with. Unquote. Where does it say that you have to speak the English language to be in a legislature? Hey, speaking of which, Kanye West is set to apologize for his anti-Semitic rant in a 40-minute long video, which will be released just ahead of the launch of his new album. On February 7th, according to TMZ. And a nutty coincidence, according to a source who saw the uh, video, West was incoherent throughout. What, that's something new? According to Yahoo, the fact that the launch of the video coincides with that of the album suggests the video was more of a publicity stunt or an image rebranding rather than an actual expression of remorse at his past actions. Earlier this uh, December, the rapper issued an apology in dubious Hebrew regarding his past statements. That from the Jerusalem Post. Speaking of rappers, Lil Nas X apologizes to Christians. He's reflecting on his controversial song and music video, J. Christ, and offering an apology following backlash. Quote, I know I messed up really bad this time. I can act unbothered all I want, but it's definitely taken a mental toll on me. He said in a video, quote, continues, 
I'm not some evil demon guy trying to destroy everybody's values and stuff like that. That's not me, unquote. Lil Nas X went on to explain that he knew there would be some criticism to his artwork, but his intention was not to make a mockery out of religion or people's beliefs. Quote, when I did the artwork, I knew there would be some upset people, simply because religion is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people, but I didn't mean to mock. This wasn't an F you to the Christians. It was literally me saying, I'm back, like Jesus, he said. Head of the release of the record, he said he was going to release gospel music, and he'd been accepted to Christian College, Liberty University, one time home of Jerry Falwell. The university had to deny the songwriter had been accepted. Lil Nas X also faced criticism for mocking the act of taking communion. Quote, I know given my history with uh, the Call Me By Your Name video, he said, anything I do related to religion can be seen as mockery. That just was not the case with this. I will say with the communion video with me eating the crackers and juice, I thought that video was going to lighten the mood, to take it down less serious. I thought that was all something we all wanted to do as kids, but I didn't understand the idea of the reality of what it is. I didn't mean it as a cannibalism thing or whatever the freak, but I do apologize for that. That was overboard. Though I don't agree with all of Christianity's rules, I know not everybody follows Christianity by the book 100%, or the world would be a lot crazier. Unquote. Lil Nas X. Oh, he addressed his Christian fans by saying, quote, I know this isn't going to be an immediate swift, everybody moves forward, but I do want my Christian fans to know that I am not against you. I was put on this earth to bring people closer together and promote love. That's who I am. Unquote. Lil Nas X. There's a big post office scandal in Britain. A number of postmasters and sub-postmasters have been fired and punished. Now the post office chief executive has left British politicians shocked with an evidence before a parliamentary committee admitting he couldn't say when the body at the center of the historic miscarriage of justice knew when its system was at fault. A key element of the scandal in which 736 managers of local post office branches were wrongfully convicted of fraud when errors in the system were to blame. That is when the post office understood that the Horizon electronic point-of-sale and accounting software from Fujitsu could be accessed remotely without branch staff knowledge. Reports suggest the post office knew from at least 2012 that the system was defective. During the hearing, Fujitsu also admitted it bore a moral responsibility to compensate victims. In 2015, the post office told the BBC and the Parliament that remote access was not possible. It only admitted that fact to the High Court four years later. The uh, head of Fujitsu told the Parliamentary Committee, we were involved from the very start. We did have bugs and errors in the system, and we did help the post office 
in their prosecutions of the sub-postmasters, and for that we are truly sorry. He said Fujitsu bore a moral obligation to contribute to compensating the victims of the scandal, but its extent would be determined when Parliament finishes its inquiry. So you guys can all wait a little longer. The White House this week apologized to former Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas after the Democratic National Committee mocked his recently suspended presidential campaign. Quote, President Biden has deep respect for Governor Hutchinson, admires the race he ran. The president knows him to be a man of principle who cares about our country and has a strong record of public service. That's uh, from White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. This morning, the chief of staff here, Jeff Zeitz, called the governor to convey this and apologize for the statement that did not represent the president's views, Jean-Pierre said. The apology came after the DNC taunted Hutchinson when he suspended his presidential campaign following a sixth-place finish in Iowa, garnering fewer than 200 votes in the contest behind little-known Ryan Binkley. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And finally, who's going to keep California's last functioning nuclear power plant functioning? You are, and I am, and so is everybody else in this country. President Biden's administration this week finalized approval of $1.1 billion to help keep the Diablo Canyon power plant producing electricity to at least 2030, five years beyond its planned closing. Five years of electricity for $1.1 billion. Seems okay to me. Terms of the package were not released by the Energy Department. In 2016, Pacific Gas and Electric, which runs the plant, made a deal with environmental groups and plant worker unions to close the four decade-old reactors by next year. But the legislature voided the, de- the deal in 2022 at the urge of the governor, Democrat Gavin Newsom, who said the power is needed to ward off blackouts because climate change is stressing the energy system. Environmentalists argued California has adequate power without the reactors and that their continued operation could hinder the development of new sources of clean energy. They also warn to the environmentalists that long-delayed testing on one of the reactors poses a safety risk that could result in an accident, which PG&H says ain't true. The fight over the seaside plant located midway between L.A. and San Francisco is playing out as the long-struggling nuclear industry, according to the Associated Press, sees a potential rebirth in the era of global warming. Says the AP, nuclear power doesn't produce carbon pollution like fossil fuels, but it does leave behind waste that can remain dangerously radioactive for centuries. That's more like it. Separately, PG&E has submitted an application to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission for a 20-year extension of the plant's operating licenses, typical in the industry, but PG&E emphasized the state would control how long the reactors run. For centuries? I don't think so.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week, same time, same radio station, or on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. Hope to talk to you again then. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, for you know, just to remember the old days, and the um, playlist of the music you hear here, all at harryshearer.com. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans, to Pam Halstead, Serena Westwell, and Chris Milton for help with today's program. And um, am I still on Twitter? Don't you dare say that about me. Steve from Century of Progress Productions and uh, gets to you by way of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless.